This podcast is brought to you by sarahraven.com, which is home to everything you need for a truly beautiful and productive garden. You'll also find great and essential gardening kit and stylish, lovely things to have in your house to bring the outside indoors, all inspired by the garden and the house being tied together. There's also plenty of garden inspiration, how-to videos and specialist growing guides. So head over to sarahraven.com today to discover even more. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven. And today I am super happy to say that we have got Arthur Parkinson back. I know he has been doing a little bit more recently, but I just wanted to say how lovely it is to have a co-host. He's not going to do every single one because Josie, the head gardener here, and Gary and Tom, our head of horticulture, we're all going to sort of contribute a bit. But Arthur's going to be the other mainstay for the whole of 2024. So that's really lovely for me. And welcome back properly, Arthur. Hello, how lovely. I can't wait to to get started. I love the fact that the podcast has become like an herbaceous border, really, with all these lovely other other people. Um, It's a lovely medley. Oh, good, good. Well, what I planned for us to chat about today is what Arthur and I are doing for our own Christmases at home. So it's sort of, you know, away from demonstrating, away from showing people. It's literally, I mean, Arthur's, well, he'll talk about his Christmas. I'll talk about mine and what we're literally going to do for the few days before and then the actual Christmas day and how to make our houses look as lovely as they possibly can. So do you want to kick off, Arthur? Yeah, my Christmas sort of involves two places here in the cottage where I live most of the time but also for Christmas I'm with my grandma Sheila in her little bungalow yeah and um, what's quite funny is Sheila insists on her copper wire fairy lights being left over her mirror for the whole year (laughs) she likes to have them on in the night time but we we do focus her Christmas arrangements on the wall completely because it's a tiny bungalow and there's no floor space yeah so I spend a lot of that time before Christmas trying to make sure mirrors don't fall off walls. Because if you stuff things at the back of a mirror too much, you do find that the mirror starts to lean outwards. So just very simple, quick quick tacking up and a stream of florist wire. And then, you know, you build your base from there, really. And I love using mirrors in a house because whatever you put in front of a mirror or around the sides, you kind of double your efforts because of the reflection, of course. So that's a top tip, really, particularly with light light bounces off mirrors really beautifully yeah great well that sounds incredibly nice I mean maybe I'll start with lights too in fact I mean I was going to start with alliums but my rule this year is lots and lots of lights as soon as the clocks change for me the older I get the more I struggle with the low light levels and um Particularly at Christmas when you're inside so much, aren't you? I mean, you might go out for a walk, but basically, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're not going out to work. You're sort of sitting in the house. And I just think sort of fairy lights, pea lights, whatever you want to call them, are just so important to sort of highlight different places in the room. And I think the more natural they look, the better. So I've managed to get some that are honestly like little raindrops. And actually, I was sitting in the wood with Adam bird watching this spring and there was suddenly a backlit silver birch tree 
and it just had the lightest, lightest little sparkles of lights over it. And I took a photo and it was my inspiration of trying to find just the lightest, lightest lights. So you just don't sort of see the string or the or the bulb or whatever. It's just like there's, there's sort of a really um, soft twinkle, but that it's quite bright. Anyway, that's that's mm. my my guiding light. Beautiful. And um, you can get them on timers now, and you can get them that are solar. You know, if you want them for a wreath on your door. But yeah, I think every year I buy more lights that I have as it gets dark earlier. And um, actually, one of our children got married here this September, and um, we bought lots of solar lights to light up the arches as you come into the garden. And I was going to bring them in, and then I thought, no, I'm just going to leave them out there for the whole of winter. So I think uh, solar lights but and indoor, these very, very delicate, uh, literally like sort of dewdrop lights are mm. just such an important thing for me. What would be your next thing, Arthur? Well, it's already up actually, because as you know, I'm I'm a bit of a hydrangea hoarder. Um, yes. I've been collecting and soaking hydrangeas since October, and so in the kitchen, in quite a heavy jug, we've got sort of this huge Marie Antoinette wig of hydrangeas, yes. <laughs> which look a bit bonkers because it's a small house, but actually I love it. It's like it's like a hydrangea tree because I've just shoved them all in together, and it looks like a big blob. It literally looks like a wig, and just as you've described, I've just festooned them with copper fairy wire lights and so every mm. evening the whole wig lights up like it's something madonna would have on tour Excellent. but i love them <laughs> and um because i foraged the the green annabelle hydrangea heads i think i picked them from a friend's garden back in september because you really have to get them early if you want them to stay that lovely green there amongst the red so it does look a bit autumnal but i think as christmas properly comes into home they will look beautiful and the way to dry them is literally to soak them overnight without a doubt in a bucket or a bath of water because they've dried absolutely beautifully. All those bracts haven't crisped, crisped up. So I'm really proud of them. And then continuing with, with the dried theme up in the loft, um, we've got bin bags and bin bags full of Allium scabertii mm. and Christophii, which I know you love as well. Mm. And it was lovely this, this autumn when we were on tour a lady came up to me showing me these gorgeous allium arrangements she'd done mm. and they were all party colours, but she'd managed to colour them in using food dyes. Yes. So me and you must must try that when I next come to Perch Hill. We must do a, a food dye test. <laughs> yes. But, and, you know, the, the, the really good thing about paints now is, you know, there are increasing number of house paints that are incredibly eco and environmental. So, you know, I think even if you dilute those a little bit and put them in a, a water atomizer like you used for ironing and take them outside, you know, I'm, I am wary now of those ones in the spray cans because I, I yeah. just am not sure they're very good for the environment. And how do you dispose of those and all that kind of stuff? And what chemicals have they got in them? I don't know. So like you, I'm wanting to move as natural as I possibly can. And with our allium heads, I mean, just like you, Schubertia is my kind of favorite for the top of the tree. And we've got one here that measures 47 centimeters across. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. <laughs> and then the next size down, which I, I love almost equally, and it's super cheap to, to grow. The bulb is cheap. It's called Christophii. And I've got one here that's 22 centimetres. So that's that's pretty good. And then I go down to smaller ones because I love having 
the different sizes in the tree because it makes it almost like a conversation between the different sizes. And so I use purple sensation. And then I actually use the little one, which is called Sphera Kefalum, which means round head, uh, which in fact flowers in August. And all of those I've just stored from one year to the next. And what we find is by putting the paint treatment onto them and then perhaps using a hairspray if you want, but again, that is an aerosol can, so maybe not. It really preserves them. And so uh, we've just been doing this experiment of sending them out in the post because I'm really keen to um, next year, I'm afraid, because we're still experimenting with it, not this year, but to have allium heads in our Christmas range. And so I've been posting them between me and Tom and our nursery. And, uh, you know, if you just have them in a box where they're not rattling around too much and wrap them in tissue paper, in fact, you can even send them out in the post. But anyway, for us, we put them up in the attic. We wrap each of the bigger ones in one sheet or two sheets of tissue because otherwise they get in a terrible knot like a sort of fishing net. And <laughs> when you pull them apart, they disintegrate. But yeah, I mean, I know we have talked about allium heads um, on this podcast before, but every year as it comes up towards Christmas. And of course, this is going out on December the 22nd. So, you know, we're right there. It's tree decorating moment. If not, you've done it already. But yeah, I think alliums are the way to go. But the other thing or things that I love to dry, I love to grow uh, the little pumpkin, which used to be called munchkin, but it's now called Jilby Little. And again, I just paint those silver and put them down the table. And I love straw flowers, the heliochrysums. Well, I'm not sure they're called that anymore, are they? They're called... Oh, they've not made them. Are they something going with B now? Something like, is it Bracteo or something? Is, yeah. is their second name. I think they're called Xanthorasm. Anyway, I can't oh, even remember. That's terrible, isn't it? Stick to um, straw flowers, I think. Yes, straw flowers is fine by us. <laughs> um, and, um, and so I grew quite a range of different colours of those this year. And I do find them amazing, which is they had a real sort of maiden aunt, old-fashioned atmosphere around them for the last 20 years. But suddenly quite rightly, because they hold their colour seemingly to me forever, as long as they don't rot. So you don't leave them outside because they will gradually just decompose. But inside, they just keep their colour. And we have an Inglenook fireplace here, which is sort of huge, which came with the 16th century farmhouse. It's part of the original house. And I love the thing that you often do for me, but sadly, you're not going to be doing it for me this year so I've got to do it <laughs> which is I string a silver birch branch or two uh, with some real wire on some tacks and that provides my structure and then I've I'm, I've hung straw flowers all over that and put fairy lights all through it and I've actually got quite a bit of bracken which I harvested when in October when it was still a little bit soft rather than crunchy and I, I pressed it, in fact, just between newspaper sheets and put them under big books. And that makes it sort of flattens it out, but also dries it in a really good way. And I just have um, sort of shoved that through various bits of the silver birch to give it a sort of extra structure. Anyway, if you like the sound of that, then there are going to be pictures of it on the website and we can put a link in it in the podcast notes. So all for free except, of course, the fairy lights, which I store from one year to the next, and all from the garden or all from nature, and just really wonderful. Beautiful. What about perfume, Arthur? Might you move on to perfume now? Well, I have to say, I tried the quince thing and it didn't work. 
Oh. <laughs> I had the quinces. Well, I, I ended up burning the quinces because they were so close to the fire they went brown. Okay. So I don't know. I'm not very good at potpourri stuff like that, Sarah, really. But what about forced bulbs? Oh, forced bulbs. Yeah, I've got some amaryllis in the shed that I've not planted yet. I like to have amaryllis actually out for New Year when I'm definitely going to be around a bit more. And paper whites, I might try and do some. Um, I know you love them. I'm not that that fussed on the perfume of them, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, lots of people don't like that. I mean, I'll I'll def- I'll do what you do with the straw flowers, really. I've got lots of... I've got some in the attic, so they'll be in a nice big vase standing up, but obviously with no water. And that's the wonderful thing about anything dried. You don't need water, so you don't get any smelly water. Yeah. So yeah. I do need to harvest for Christmas the chasmanthium grass. Yeah. I've got that in a lovely big clump. And actually it's done really well in a, it's in a very big pot in quite a shady corner. And I think it prefers dapple shade to full sun to have really oh. good seed heads. Okay, that's it's a good Because n- it's not frazzled. And I saw in, in Caroline's garden, actually, she'd got a pot of it in full sun and it, it had hardly any seed heads on, whereas the pot she'd got in the shade had got lovely the lovely rolled out seed heads. Oh, um, okay. So I'll have that in a big vase, completely natural, because it'll have gone lovely yellow and brown by Christmas yeah. with some straw flowers and probably, again, just a few fairy lights for it. And that, that'll be the flowers for, for Christmas, I would have thought. Okay, beautiful. Well, I am going to do some force bulbs. I mean, I mm. when I was a child, we always used to go to my aunt's for Christmas and she lived up in what was called Westmoreland, it's now called Cumbria. And you'd walk into the door when we first arrived, sort of maybe on the 23rd of December. And I really remember it. You know how perfume scents are so nostalgic. Mm. And I just remember opening the doors into her sitting room or drawing room. And there was just these really big, shallow bowls of hyacinths. They were all sort of quite cracked, the, the bowls. She'd used them for decades. But she had a mix. Some were just white and some were a blue and blue hyacinths are the most strongly fragrant. And she always did this thing of making them into mini gardens. And when I was a girl, again, I I really loved making miniature gardens with using like a makeup mirror as the pond and covering the edges with moss and and then (laughs) picking like mini branches of fir trees and making them like little, making a little wood and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying I'm going to do quite that, but I do love the thing of mounding up the hyacinths. And so around the edges of the bowl, it's sort of almost flush with the side of the bowl, but you can actually really create more impact by building up the peat-free compost into the middle and then just teasing your your hyacinth bulbs into that, into a, a, a sort of really beautiful fragrant dome, basically. Mm. And the thing is that what I find is that if I force my hyacinths, and I use them in January, February too, so it's not too late to do this for the spring or you know for the rest of the winter, I, I put them into, I plant them individually into a nine centimeter pot into pre-free compost. Because what I find is that they grow at slightly different rates. And so if I put them in a bowl from the get-go, what happens is that the one sort of far right at, say, sort of one o'clock 
is is all up and tall and flowering, whereas the one at sort of seven o'clock is only just beginning. So what I do is I don't plant them until kind of now, like the 22nd of December. Or So I've got them growing and then I bring them in, I make my bowl or I, you know, I go to a garden centre or whatever and I buy a, a whole load in pots and then I dress them into, into my bowl. And then I'll go into the garden, I'll pick some silver birch and maybe some hazel catkins or perhaps some alder and I'll just make a sort of little mini nest. I'll harvest some moss and I'll I'll pick up some nice dried leaves. And so I get this sort of mound of beautiful fragrance and a mini landscape that is pouring out the perfume. And if it's the blue, any of the blues or the whites, but the blues are the most scented, it'll last incredibly well for about a month. But the key thing with forced hyacinth is not to water them again. So I'd water them before I planted them into the bowl, but I don't let them see water again until they've gone over. So as soon as oh. the flowers are showing, it's really important because otherwise you tend to get rot at the at the tip of the flower. So I find that's really fundamental. So even if they're in for a whole month flowering away, I, I won't water them at all. And that, what I love about hyacinths is even though you force them, they, they go on to be perennial, don't they? Because yeah. they will flower again, but in the garden. So it's a lovely, I like giving people hyacinths as Christmas presents, as the bulb. Yeah, it is a, it's a lovely thing. And um, on our away days, you always make these beautiful table centres of one of the narcissus. So w- will you just chat us through that? So it's it's your wedding cake, um, lovely, using a, a large pot and then a, a similar pot, but a bit smaller that goes on top of the, the bigger pot. So you get a lovely tiered effect of height of yeah. your of your bulbs. And the reason it's such a lovely thing to do on the away days is because the supporting structure is basically taking exactly what you do out in the garden above a delphinium or oriental poppy or even a big dahlia. We're just making it smaller so it supports the paper whites as they as they come through this wedding cake of tiered pots. And it's a wonderful thing to do. And often I say, you know, if I really didn't have hardly any space and there very little time, that I would treat as my Christmas tree. Yes. So all the, the trigs and the branches that are woven like a very, you know, it's not a dominant structure above the bulbs. It's literally almost, almost peacetaking, what you often see in a kitchen garden or an allotment. But that structure gives you a lovely natural bower onto which you can either festoon lights or, you know, jazz it up even more and hang baubles off it and songbirds. And you can play it up or play it down as much as you want to. Yeah, we love, I love doing that. <laughs> yeah, fabulous. Well, I think the final thing in, in my themes, so we've had dried flowers from the garden, forced bulbs, tons of fairy lights so silver birch being a really important role and i actually have a, a mini christmas tree which is just a branch with lots of mini decks i love small christmas decorations i mm. love them much more than big ones actually they're much easier to store from one year to the next without breaking and so i've got some that i've built up over 20 or 30 years anyway my final theme for sure is colored candles and so down our Christmas table, actually for our main Christmas meal, I've already selected a mix of colours for the 25th. So I've got a dark burgundy, I've got a slightly brighter red, I've got a really lovely moss green, and then a sort of kind of more lichen-y, sort of slightly grey green. And the combination of those are both rich but also incredibly seasonal. They just feel like they fit really well with the 
anemone coronaria flowers I'm going to have. I'm going to have a few hyacinths in individual hyacinth forces, which I love just again for the fragrance. And then I'm going to just scatter between those uh, dried flowers, the allium heads, some straw flowers in red and burgundy, and fairy lights going between, linking them. So I've got those sort of pillars, the verticality of the candle in the lovely candle holders. I've got casmanthium in single stem, which is the grass that Arthur was talking about, which is looks like it's been run over. It's completely flat, like a, a, a sheath, a, a corn sheath, but completely flat. And so that gives you the air as well. And then lots and lots of these beautiful candles, which give such a beautiful light. So I've got fragrance. I've got texture. I, oh, and maybe a bit of velvet ribbon as well, all the way down. That will add extra rich texture. I've got perfume. I've got color. You know, for me, that's what it should all be about. Definitely. I wish I was coming to you. <laughs> oh, well, so do I, Arthur. But at least you're back joining us on the podcast. So thank you so much. And I personally would love to wish you all an incredibly happy Christmas. It's been a very, very, very difficult and dark year, 2023. And uh, I really hope 2024 brings us light and joy and actually our very next episode is going to be Arthur and I talking about our New Year's resolutions and looking forward rather than looking back. So thank you Arthur and thank you everyone for listening for the whole of this year and you've been a really lovely devoted audience and we long to know more about what you want us to talk about and we really will listen. So happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for listening to Grow Cookie to Range. And I hope you enjoyed listening to Arthur's and my ideas of what we're going to be doing at home at Christmas. It's me and Arthur again next week to end the year and start a new one. And we're going to be talking about our New Year's resolutions. So come on, 2024. Let's make it a better year than 2023. I think that isn't going to be hard. See you then. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes we talk about on this podcast by heading to the show notes or at sarahraven.com forward slash podcast.